Welcome to On the Bubble Podcast, episode 58. I'm your host, Sebastian J. Weira, and with me is my co-host, Yuki Lee Bender. And today, we're just going to be talking about calling Hartford and Battleheart and Hartford. And I guess I just start off in saying, and congratulations on your win on the Battleheart and Yuki. Thanks. Yeah, it was quite the weekend for me. I'm sure we'll talk about the calling as well, but the, the calling really didn't go my way. I went one and three. We can go into more detail about it later, but it was not great for me. And honestly, the battle hardened, I hadn't really prepped for that much. Like, I'd probably played like maybe 20 games of KO. You do know that the set's been out for one day, right? Since you played the battle hardened or something like that? Yeah, but like, we've had spoilers for like a while now. Like, we've had spoilers for like two weeks. Um, so I've been playing with the cards since then. Also, just like, I don't know. Like, the heroes that I was playing before are all LL. I don't know. Like, Bolton is like, probably has new stuff to do and i wouldn't say that i was like a super expert into bolton i just played him at one event and did well <laughs> um so what made you play ko for the battle hardened i'd just been playing the deck and it was just a lot of fun just like real strong before i didn't really enjoy brute because of the like there's like a lot of variants and it feels like your deck only does cool stuff when you have blood rush i don't know like it was just like this really kind of not that interesting class to me um, and I, I hated scabs. I really hated rolling scabs. Like, like sometimes you could play a Leviah, be like a little more aggressive. But then, like, you just like wind up in these spots where it's just like, oh, it's so correct to roll scabs and you roll scabs, and then it's like, it's just like it happens a bunch. Whereas, like in, in KO, I rolled scabs like I rolled scabs twice all weekend. One of them was real stupid because, like, in my head, I was like, oh, I can go savage feast, savage feast. But then I discarded the savage feast. And I just like couldn't play any of my cards. And I was just like, oh. So I just like rolled a six and did like one thing and then just passed. <laughs> I was just like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I rolled a six too. Like it was just like so ridiculous. Oh, uh, so it's like you gave your opponent the jump scare of like, oh, I'm going to do something <laughs> super cool. But in, in reality, it's like if I rolled a two or higher, it would be the same thing no matter what. <laughs> And I just have a chance to like waste an entire attack. So don't do that. But um, yeah, I don't know. The the deck is I think the deck's like really powerful. And what I would say going forward is like I don't know exactly where KO falls in terms of like tier or meta, but I think that he is like undeniably gonna be like basically like a very high tier deck. And I think a lot of it is just off the back of him like he just does a lot of things real well. Like, he has a bunch of armor, like, really good armor. I think Brute has some of the best armor in the game. Guardian as well, and, like, Warrior's also very crazy. But, like, F Scowling Flashbag is, like, such a crazy piece. And Apex Bonebreaker is so good, and Scabs is so good. Like, Brute's loadout is ridiculous. What's the chess piece that we play right now? Tunic. Oh, okay. That's a crazy card, too. <laughs> uh, it, it It is, like, particularly insane in KO because... You kind of like your your turns are all built off of two costs because you, it allows you to do like two cost claw two cost and like tunic can sup like off two blues, so it's like a five card hand at least fifteen. But you have many things that are like better than two for sixes, and you might have a might. Yeah, I don't know. You just have like very very crazy math. You also block pretty well. You also have very good equipment. You have like a lot of gas. Cast bones and blood rush bellows are like both very powerful and you just do like really above rate stuff like super above rate stuff all the time like you just go like and maybe you have an agility token and you go like uh i'm gonna block two cards 
play my runner runner from arsenal uh seven go again get an agility because i have like a might and agility and then um i have agility for my next turn now and then i go uh tunic swing swing big or tunic bear fangs like it's just gross right like you're, you're just getting like two card 15 you can do like bear fangs swing big that's like the actual dream there's like two cards three or three cards 17 with your tunic it's just like ridiculous yeah and th- you haven't even talked about like the blood rush bellow turns right yeah yeah and then you can just do all the usual blood rush stuff it's a little bit different like you need to kind of set up your blood rushes with agility tokens because like usually brute can just go like blood rush claw claw attack and that's kind of like what they're built to do in the case of ko you don't have two claws so you really want to do like like if you have like a wild ride in arsenal that's fantastic or if you have an agility an agility token that's fantastic because then you can like pretty easily enable your whole turn but um if you don't it's like a little bit tricky so you have to kind of set them up more yeah so it's not as free as in reinar where you just like mm-hmm. play the blood rush and it's like converts directly into like an 18 damage turn every time but in ko i guess it's a little bit harder to do that it's like it's harder but you can just do like more damage also like I your ceiling see. is higher because like attack claw attack is going to be better than like claw claw attack right you have like one whole extra attack in there and considering some of your attacks are like two for eight uh two cost eight, eight powers like you have six of them with bear fangs and swing big bear fangs is like arguably a nine actually because you get the might token yeah it's just very very above rate and extremely consistent uh in terms of like non-sixes in the deck i'm just playing cast bones blood rush bellow and reckless swings uh two reckless that's it. So you have eight whiffs in the entire deck. Everything else is like a six or like a, I guess like a five, which still counts as a six for all your draw discards. You have access to a bunch of go again if you want it between the agility tokens, wild ride, and um, pulping. So you can just go very wide and pressure a lot, which makes you like very good and like very solid into Droma, I think. You have like a bunch of poppers and you can play aggress- aggressively and you can divide up your damage. Yeah, I don't know. The deck is just very strong. Like it just, Typically, the decks that just do things that are really above rate and they're consistent and can play flexible games are just really strong. It's really hard for that not to be a good deck. A good deck. Even if it's not like the most broken deck, it's going to be like playable, like totally reasonable to bring kind of thing. Yeah, honestly, Kale looks like the most. It's like it's functionally the most fair deck, but then it's like each card is worth like four or maybe like three and a half or even sometimes four and a half. So, like, Playing out your raw hands is just super powerful, and because because of how brute before wasn't that powerful, we get a lot of three blocks right now, right? It's 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 kind of crazy. Yeah, it's it's very ridiculous. You you can also just play like every hand size. Like you you have like amazing five card hands. You have like some of the best two card hands in the game. I was just talking about like the three card hands with tunic. Like you you play every hand size very very efficiently. Like you're just like it just feels like. I'll put it this way. You play the deck on Talishar and it tells you your average value per turn. And most games, it is in the range of like 16 to 19 and a half. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, the rate is just super, super high, right? And like, like I'll say like the turns when you just get like 13 or 14 out of your hand, you're just like, yeah, I guess that was fine. Like it, like, it feels like not that amazing a turn. You're just like, oh, yeah, that was just kind of like, you know, like the floor of my turn. But like when that's the floor of your turn and you can just go way bigger than that, it's like pretty compelling. Where can we find your deck list for KO? Is it going to be posted on a Fab TCG? Do you know that? I would imagine so. Um, I actually wonder if it is up 
now. I, I posted on on I posted on Twitter. We can put it in the show notes. Um, so it is out there. I believe it's also in the purple Discord. I put it there. I, I tried to put it in a few places so that people could see it. But I would imagine that they would publish it. Yeah, there, there's there's nothing up yet. But I know that Elo just came in, so I wonder if Decklist will be shortly behind. You would you would think like the first CC event with a new set they would. Yeah, that they want to post it up there. Yeah, especially when like a brand new hero <laughs> wins the battle harden, wins and goes eleven zero. Right, like I didn't lose. That's fair. It's fair. The I guess we'll talk a little bit more detail about the battle hardened. So there was one hundred and eighty nine players total. It was eight rounds total. Do you know what the record you needed to top eight? I believe so. All the X ones were locked, and I believe that I think it was something like seventh through twenty fifth were X two holy that's a lot of people who's x2 yeah there was like a lot so you you wanted to lose like the last two yeah lose your last two to get in yeah that makes sense yeah Yeah, it was pretty tough number of like very strong players went six two like i know like like there was no i think dromai was like technically the most played hero um overall was like really really flat in terms of representation there was like a lot of decks being represented a little bit which was pretty cool to see and there was no dromai in top eight despite being like technically the highest there was a lot of drill mine in the top tables though right i, I was walking yes. around and i just yes. like like the top like you know the top 10 tables are i'm like there's a drill mine in like every single seat yeah wow this deck's really good but then no one converted top eight i guess yeah like i know both chance and uh mara ferris were aaron chance and mara ferris both very good drill my players that have done very well at the highest level they were both six and two which is like a good record. It's just the cut battle hardened is like pretty brutal. I think it was like a 190 person battle hardened or something. Like it was pretty big. Yeah, 198 players. Yeah. And we played like eight rounds of Swiss. So I guess the other question is like the second most represented deck at this battle hardened was uh, Victor, actually. There was 20 Victor players. And that's also a brand new hero. Did you think about bringing Victor to this event? Yeah, I was actually like very on the fence about it. Going into the event, I was like pretty set on KO, but in sealed at the calling, I, I played KO and I just had such a miserable time that I was almost just like, I don't know if I want to play KO in CC now. <laughs> Even though the deck is like very different. Like I think a lot of the variants got to me. Losing a bunch of clash got to me. I had a game I also just had a game where like I drew eight of my eleven blues as the first eight cards of my deck. So it's just like my first two turns were garbage and then I didn't draw blues anymore. <laughs> um, so I just kind of like instantly lost. My equipment was bad. I don't know. It was it was very it was very unfortunate. I missed a yeah, wild ride in my deck that had like five whiffs. So it was just like okay, we lose here. Yeah, it's like the variance you get in. Um, it's like it's like getting mana screwed in Magic, but it's, it happens way less often in this game. But it still can't happen, right? Yeah, exactly. And and like on top of it, my pool was not incredible. Like it. I think it was possible to D2 with my pool, but definitely like on the weaker side. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. It's like solid cards, but you don't have equipment. So like not having equipment is just crazy. Yeah, this this format I feel like is the higher, there's like a little bit higher variance in seal than it is in other formats. But I guess we'll talk a little bit more of that a little bit later. Before we move on, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about the Battle Hardened? Any notable games or any interesting interesting takes you got from the battle harden yeah so i guess the meta seemed a lot of like what i expected to do well did well there's like guardian 
Droma is like both Victor and Bravo, I think are very good. I think that KO is very good. I think that Azalea is like probably reasonably strong. There actually wasn't that much Azalea, which was interesting. I do think like Warrior is good. Like Dory seems pretty strong. I, th- I think there's a lot of decks that you can bring that are pretty reasonable. And that seemed to kind of like bear out in the actual event itself. Very much like lined up with my expectations. Yeah, I don't know. Like all the heavy hitters classes are like pretty compelling, which is cool to see. And, and, and it feels like they're compelling in a way that doesn't feel like super broken. Mm, well, yeah. maybe KO. I, I, think, I think if something is broken, it is KO. Um, I don't know if he's broken. Uh, maybe Victor too. V- Victor and Ko are doing some very, very, very above rate things. But other than that, like things are pretty flat. Azalea is really powerful, but I think that she probably has some bad matchups now. I don't know. Like Dromai and Guardians are not great, and there's like two very good Guardians. Yeah, I don't know. Very early in the format still, so more involvement's gonna happen, right? Like it seems mm-hmm. like there's like a lot more Bolton now, maybe. Maybe because you won that event, more people were playing Bolton. and mm-hmm. Yeah, and the third most represented deck was Leviah. And it's because yeah. Leviah got a bunch of new cards with the with this heavy hitter set too. So like she gets to do more more interesting stuff as well. Yeah, and I think, I think Leviah is probably the most difficult one to build as well. Just because she already has so many moving parts with like the Blood Dead, and then you have like extra power cards and like Art of War that you want to have in your deck. And so Leviah ends up just like having all this different stuff in her deck. And then it's like you also now have agility tokens and like how to, I think just like how to piece that. I looked at a little bit at Leviah like without having played it and just trying to figure it out it seemed quite difficult. And there's just like so many things that you could do. And I was just like, I, don't feel that familiar with this deck i'm not like the most interested in it either because i still suspect that it loses to itself yeah i don't know so i think that there's like potential there but i'm gonna wait to let other people show me and at the battle hardened i was not impressed with leviah she she's like pretty powerful and i I think when she's powerful she's powerful but i just think that ko is doing a lot of the same things and is just like kind of better because He's just more flexible. He doesn't like you. Yes, you do not get access to Carrion Husk, but you also don't have to deal with like blood debt, <laughs> blood debt, and dying to it. Um, like like Leviah's Leviah's end games are very weak because you she kind of gets like forced in these spots where she needs blood debt, and just like when I was playing the Leviahs, it just felt like I could very reliably like get them to twenty, hit them super 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 hard so that they can't flip Blastmuffet, and also like the game is fast enough that like they just don't have that many cards to, in banish even if they did Blastmuffet because we're just hitting each other extremely hard. Yeah, you can just kind of burst them down, and then you get them into an end game and like. At some point, you know, you're you're both playing your like three card or your like two card eights or whatever and chipping each other down. And then at some point you draw cast bones and just like block them out and then claw back, stripping their whole hand, and then you get a full hand, and it's just like super, super, super over. So mostly because like if she blocks three cards, she dies to her blood debt, right? Whereas you can block three cards and then just claw, or you can block three cards and just like do something else. So I just feel like KO's end games are so much scarier than Leviah's, and you have like way less variance in your deck. So it's very I don't know. Husk is good, but like, I think that Ko is like basically just as above rate as Leviah. Like, they're they're both pretty crazy on rate, but Ko is just like doesn't rely on blood debt. <laughs> yeah, so much more consistent. Yeah, no, I, I get you. I played one Leviah in this uh, this weekend. The game was 
not that close. Oh, I, I guess I should say what here I'm on. I was on the Dash, the original Dash, and I'm playing Tree Fog Dash, so just trying to deck people out. I won every game I played. It just I didn't play the Battle Hardened, so I got to play against a lot weaker opponents. It's actually really funny. I'll talk about my CC experience this weekend. I ended up playing the the Sunday Rabble CC, which on entry you got a uh, the full art Ravnus Rabble, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. and I also played like one other side event on Saturday night. All six of my opponents did not know what I was playing. They were kind of confused why I had Titanium Bobble in my deck. Um, I was playing like Blue Comptify Evos, and they looked at my loadout and thought it was like a limited deck for a second. I'm just like, yep, yeah, it's okay. You don't have to, you don't have to like be scared of this deck. And then by the end of the game, they're just like, oh, I can never beat you. And I'm like, yes, like it's if you don't if you didn't know how to beat me when we did hero reveals, you don't know how to beat me by the end of the game. It's like it's already too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And we did see I don't think quite as um, fatigue oriented as you, but we did see like a, I think it was like a slab dash in top eight, I believe. That's like the Easton Douglas dash deck that does have like a full pistol plan. And a bunch of D reacts and likes to play defensively and is always kind of on pistol and items. It's not boosting. It cannot boost. It has generics in its deck, but it's also just like playing value cards like um, Finals Fighting Spirit, you know, Command and Conquer, um, the, those kinds of like just like highly efficient cards. She's also playing that E Strikes, for example. So she can like block super well and just like kind of mid range you at the same time. There was a Dash player who lost their last round of the Battle Harden. It should be on camera. I don't know where to watch these Battle Harden games online, but Nia Tran, who was also on KO, basically playing your deck, was yeah. uh, beat the Dash player on camera in this really crazy way. Where I was watching, I was watching Nia's game because I was uh, rooming with him and you know cheering out my friends. Man, Nia got so lucky on his draw discards and just how the hands like lined up at the very end of the game while he's at like one or two life. It was kind of crazy. Like he drew discarded a skull crack so then he can swing manable claws and that forced the dash player to block with the last blue was only for only had an item left in hand so couldn't actually do the full pistol pistol plan. And then, like, a couple turns later, Nia swings with a uh, swing big, and Dromai blocks it out. Sorry, not Dromai. Dash blocks it out and gets the quicken token. And usually when Dash gets a quicken token, it's, like, atrociously bad, right? Because their pistol attacks for free with go again, and then they can attack again. But the yeah. Dash player, yet again, only had a red. So didn't get punished and still swung with the pistol. So the quicken token just disappeared. So uh, Nia didn't get punished. And that kept that kept on happening and on one of the turns that she only had a red to attack once with the pistol it was the exact turn nia draws his blood rush bellow so now he has a three card hand with a blood rush bellow instead of a two card hand which lets him play the blood rush bellow oh nia had so much plot armor that weekend <laughs> yeah nia very powerful um anything else you want to talk about for the battle harden any cool decks you saw i did see i saw a hatchet dory and uh yeah yeah i saw a hatchet story wait wait like the hatchets like the ones that bolton plays isn't that a light yeah isn't that a light weapon no hatchet of mind i'm looking on february no it's just a warrior weapon 
Oh, I didn't even know Dory can play the hatchets. Yeah, she can play hatchets. But then it was kind of insane because, like, with the agilities, they could just, like, sometimes just, like, swing hatchets, like, three times. It's pretty crazy. That's some pretty high-value turns, but they had an IP2 at the start of the game, and then something else very bad happened. I forget. I think I drew very well. This is also the game that I rolled the rolled the six and <laughs> did one thing in. <laughs> I feel a little bit bad. That that game was like real unfortunate for him and it wasn't particularly close, but I feel like it was far closer than you would imagine given the things I outlined. And like some of the things that the deck did was like pretty impressive. Like I think he had like some yeah, he has I can't even remember. The deck was very weird, but there was like a lot of just like Damn, you sure did just get like nine value off your like one one card or something. Like, okay. <laughs> that's that's pretty sweet. Huh. That's that's that does sound kind of sweet. Let's uh move on and talk about the calling. Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. Do you have one more thing? I know a lot of people have been interested in KO. There is uh RTN coming out and you might be looking to pick up the deck or, or you're considering should i pick up the deck or should i practice against the deck and, and all that i think the answer is just like yes it's probably worth trying the deck weirdly it like reminds me of lexi i think it's a lot of fun um just in the, in the way that you like set up because you're often like setting up your blood rush with your agility you have like cast bones into your blood rush if decks are trying to fatigue you pulping with like blind tokens is pretty crazy like you if you i had a cast bones into a pulping for like 12 dominate so the deck's just like very good and you should consider picking it up. And if you're interested on in how to sideboard it and everything, I'm going to have a more detailed guide on the Patreon. And I will be opening up the tier for kind of like a middle tier that isn't isn't coaching, but gets a little bit of extra benefit. It'll be priced at $12.50, and it will just be um, things like tournament reports. So I might try and write about the experience as well when I have some time. I'm very, very busy right now with moving, but I'm going to try and get that out there. And I think by the time this episode is out for sure, I should have the sideboard guide there for people if they're looking to try out the deck and, and get reps in with it. Oh, that's that's sweet. That's sweet. No, check us out on Patreon. And also still thank you for everyone who's already subscribed to Patreon. The Discord has been great and got some really nice feedback there of like, you know, more ideas about draft and sealed and stuff like that, too. So honestly, if you're interested, check us out. If not, it's all good, too. And I guess then now we can move on to the calling. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. So calling Hartford, there was... I don't have the numbers. Wait, wait, why is there no numbers here? I used to know. I definitely heard the number and repeated it at some point, but I forget now. I have this uh, amazing tool called Just Check the Standings. 422 players. Yeah, and, and I believe this is after drops. Yes, after drops. Which is a huge calling. Like, that's on the big side. I think for, like, non like pro tour etc attached callings that's massive yeah it's from what i heard from the scg people that was like working on friday because man the lineup for registration and picking up the package was kind of long uh Mm -hmm. they're just like didn't expect this many flesh and blood people to show up and like it just like we we had like half the hall to ourselves basically the whole whole time Crazy enough, on Saturday, they didn't even run a single, like, on-demand draft uh, for either of the games because they were out of space. Like, you know, SEG Con is where the um, Calling Hartford taking place, and a lot more people showed up for the main event than they expected. It's a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. 
great to see the game doing well. I think it makes a lot of sense, like exciting, very exciting time with the new set, but also just like it was a sealed calling, you know, like new set sealed calling, super, super exciting. And I think that there was a lot of people, there was a lot of people who went to this event. Like I spoke to a number of people that went to this event that said that like they would not have been there to play Constructed because like they're just not like that engaged with the game necessarily. But there's a lot of people who are like, I'm going to try my hand at playing Sealed. Like, you know, like I don't take the game like super seriously, but like I'm an okay player and I can play Sealed and like maybe I get a good pool and I have some fun. Um, And it's like new new set. So it's just like kind of a fun thing to do anyways. And there's like a bunch of side events. You can hang out with your friends. Like It's just like a super appealing event, I think. And I don't know. I just bring it up because I know a lot of people are like, is Sealed like a competitive I don't know, does it have competitive integrity? And like you look at like the top eight of the calling and it's just like, yeah, of course it does. Like there's so many good players in the top eight. You have like Tarek Patel, you have Michael Hamilton. Like you just like have like so many of the players you would expect to see in top eight, uh, actually in the top eight. And then you also just like had new faces too. Like you had, you had Yuanji in there as well. And then you also just had some new faces as well. Like Morrison who won the event. I don't know who he is. Yeah, he was just like kind of yeah, that's right. Mark Morrison. I was trying to remember his name. He just kind of like came out of nowhere, won the entire event. Good for him. But yeah, that was like you know, someone someone new in there. And we also saw um actually my girlfriend top aided uh Ellie and that was her first top eight. Um so so definitely some new players coming out and doing well. And that's just like really cool. So I mean like should every Seal should ever should should sealed be every calling? No, like there, there should probably be more constructed callings than limited. But like having some amount of sealed sometimes is just it is just good for the game and it helps more groups of people interact with the game. So like even if you, I mean, if you're listening to the podcast, you probably love you probably love limited or are at least interested in limited. But um, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's it's just good to give people different ways to engage. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I like the timing of the sealed sealed calling yes. because it's like week one of the format. And honestly, that's the best time to have a limited limited event in general is week one, week two, week three. The further it goes, it gives time for people to really, really solve the format. And once a limited format is solved, I think it becomes a lot worse because then everyone is just doing what, is just like functioning the best thing to do and we saw that at like the worlds was it worlds where it was uprising draft and it was like completely solved almost yeah yeah, there was like it was that was not that good right like drafting Mm -hmm. a a format that's been out for three months is not that good yeah yeah i completely agree there's like so much edge to get in learning the format quickly and you get to see like it's also more interesting from like a coverage standpoint too because like we still have like road to nationals coming up you know so like everybody's eyes is glued to this calling and just going like what's good in draft like you know like maybe i've played a couple of drafts myself but like getting to see it unfold at a tournament is really interesting so it's like it just makes for a good event to play in a good event to like help you prepare for those upcoming seasons a very like fun event like people want to often play limited with a new set at least a little bit even if it's not competitive so i think it just makes a lot of sense i would love to see them do this but do team sealed oh team sealed is fun yeah i think i think new set team sealed that is that is peak. I'm hoping that we get that. But um, this was very good. So 
I guess uh, now let's talk about how you did and how I did at the uh, calling. You already, you already said this. You went one and three. What? I guess not why, but like, how did your games go? You said you were not very excited to play KO after doing kind of bad at the main event. Yeah, I think a lot of it was like my pool was fine. It, it's in, it's actually in the Patreon. It, it, it was fine. It was not terrible. I think I only had like five misses in my whole deck, which is like pretty good. Um, I had some like cards that people traditionally think of as powerful, such as Wild Ride. I confirmed that I really do not like Wild Ride. I definitely whiffed on it and lost a game that I was completely winning otherwise. That was very unfortunate. It was also like I had a full hand, so it was like a one in three as well. So I don't know. Uh, that, that happened. I think I also lost like every clash that game or almost every clash. And it was just like, it, it felt like if like some of those things didn't happen, it'd be fine. But they like all happened. And it was just like, this sure is bad for me. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, sure, I guess I lose. I mentioned drawing eight blues. That was real bad. <laughs> I don't know. I had like a one-to-one game where I just kind of got ground down. And my opponent just had like full equipment. I only got two block out of my equipment because I couldn't use the blade break stuff. They didn't let me. And then I had the like adversity agility boots and that was it. So it's like to get the game down to this like super close one-to-one. And then it's just like, man, that equipment sure would have been nice. Like <laughs> getting like five, starting with like five extra health is like insane. Right. Cause like if I had like six more health, I'm not like six to one, like it's a completely different game. Right. But it's just like, it's hard. It is hard when you don't have equipment. I don't, I don't want to be the person that's just like, there's nothing I could have done, but this really felt like an event where it was like, I, like I probably didn't play optimally. I almost certainly made some mistakes, but I, I don't think that it would have changed the outcome of my games given given like how things lined up and how I drew. I just like I don't think there was anything I could do to like overcome that, you know. Yeah, that's fair. So look, it's still it's still a TCG. There yeah. are some times you just like lose the game. You play you play good and you lose. It's fine. You can't yeah. win everything, Yuki. You can't win everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you won three, you still you got to play the battle hard and win that thing, so <laughs> You still wait. Yeah. No, it doesn't matter. You still win. You know, like you you lost the calling, but you still win an event. There, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it felt very good to like have the rebound. I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm amazed that I went eight zero. Also, I felt <laughs> like I felt like there was some games that I like maybe should have lost. I kind of scammed people with. Uh, it was mostly like the victors. I I scammed people with reckless swing a lot reckless swing oh yeah the deal two damage yeah yeah it, it was relevant in every guardian game that i played super relevant every single one and and three like three of them i think it dealt, dealt lethal and then like one of them was just like mm, like it was just like super instrumental so i play a lot of like fatigue style guardian and from before we have a couple of good reinar players in vancouver and it's always reckless swing like it that card mm -hmm. is always on my mind but I guess if you're playing KO, that might not be on your mind because that's not a six power and it doesn't work with Berserk, doesn't work with, with cast down. So maybe maybe they thought it's not in there. Yeah, yeah. Like that was like, like in one case, it's like kind of that. It's like kind of that, right? Like there's like one case like where my opponent thought that I had two 
or sorry, so knew that I had one, but didn't realize that I had two, and then I double reckless him, and he died. <laughs> uh, so he like, he like went down to three, but like three is actually too low. He thought I only had one of them. Uh, so like that got one person. There was another time where like Victor did like nine or sorry ten overpower with the Golden Sun, but I got to survive it because I had a reckless swing, so I could block seven like a three block plus reckless swing on it and not just die which was like pretty insane and then i think i also may have resolved i think i i think that game we actually that was the game that we went to time and i like i had a reckless swing on like my next hand and he remembered seeing it in my pitch as well but like that was pretty crazy yeah well it's like it's a card where it's you you have to play around it but sometimes you just can't play around it right like it's yeah and and it has this weird dynamic where like if the game goes long enough, Reckless Swing almost just says that your opponent starts with like two less life for each Reckless that you have. So if there's like two Recklesses, like in this case, it's like it's like almost like they just start the game at thirty six. Um, they like as soon as as soon as they get down to four, like the whole cadence of the game completely changes. They 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 have to kill you probably pretty quickly, or they're they're going to get Reckless Swinged. So it just like really changes how the game plays out. It also has interactions into their like dominate and overpower and pummel. Like that came up in my semifinals game. I arsenaled a reckless swing. He attacked with a hammer and was representing a pummel, and I blocked three. And I think I was at three or something, uh, four, four or three. He pummeled, and then I just got the reckless swing and and not die. That's huge. Yeah. And then like put him to three. So then he was then at the point where like if he takes one damage, my second reckless swing will kill him. Which is pretty rough, right? Like so so I don't know. That card was like super, super impressive. It's crazy that that Nia ended up cutting it from his list. But he also still top baited, so you know what? It's I don't know which one's correct. I think there's like a number of ways you can build the deck and you can kind of customize you, you play like so many like two cost attacks that like you know, you can change around which ones that you play and they all have like, most of them are two cost attacks that do something. So like, depending on what you want to be a good into or depending on what you think is relevant, you can kind of pick and choose. Anyways, yeah, I think that's like more or less all that I have to say about the weekend. It was, you know, obviously a lot of fun. Um, really enjoyed it. I guess I should say I opened my gold foil. I got golden iron song versus which is a pretty cool card. I now have like both warrior L gloves, which is kind of random. <laughs> that is kind of random. Yeah, uh, it is what it is. How many gold foils do you have now? Like owls? No, just gold foils in general. Mm. A lot? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's that's even a better answer than you knowing the number. <laughs> I'm not actually sure. I have like, I have Voltaire... New Horizon, Heart of Ice Trench, Courage of Blade Hold, Iron Song versus Earth Lore Bounty. I lost count. <laughs> I, I think I think I think that is all of them. Okay, so it's like seven or eight. Yeah. And I sold an Alluvian. Oh, okay, okay. That's fair. That's a fair one to sell. <laughs> I may sell some more of them, honestly, but That's fair. Oh, and you also had the um well, winning the Las Vegas calling, you had the big one. Oh yeah, the Crown of Providence as well. Yeah, yeah, Crown of Providence. That's what it was. Yeah, I yeah. Ox- oh, one one thing about the calling. Uh, there was a bunch of people who listened to the podcast that said hi to me. That like you know, like 
I didn't really introduce myself that way, but like they, I guess, recognized my voice and was like, "Oh, are you Jay?" And I'm like, "Yes." Like, and it was really cool to to hear from the people who actually listen and like actually interact with us with it, through the Discord as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm actually trying to think. I don't know if I got that many that many people that listened to the podcast this time that mentioned it. Well, maybe a few. I had a few for sure. But I kind of didn't talk to that many people this time. It was like a weird. No, you were head down playing game every time. I guess so. <laughs> I guess I just played a lot of fab. Eleven rounds is a lot of fab. By the time we finished the finals, they had like basically packed up the entire hall, and I had to. And like uh, once we finished, like I think the judge wanted to go home, and he was like putting on his jacket, and I was like, wait, like. I'm supposed to get a gold foil, right? Like, where where do I get the gold foil? Like, there's like like the stage isn't there anymore. Like, I have no idea where I go, and they had to be like, oh, uh, let me ask, and like, oh, you go talk to this guy, and it was like, fine, but yeah, it was it was a very very long day. Eleven rounds is a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, technically, the hall closed on Sunday before your top eight started. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah like and then we stayed there for like that long like and and there was there was a kasai bravo game that like almost went to fatigue and it was like i was i finished my game i watched all of nia's semi-final game and then i still got to watch like 30 minutes of their game <laughs> holy that's a long one yeah, it was like super long. And then I still had to play my semis match before I could finally play Majin Bay Caleb in the finals. Uh, but oh. I think he had to wait like an hour or something. That's crazy. Wait, didn't you and Majin Bay play in the final round of Swiss as well? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we played in the final round of Swiss and then we met in the finals. Wow, that's you guys are both crazy. Yeah, he had a... Uh, he had quite a weekend. Um, so his only two losses of that day was to you and to you. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I think that match was pretty good for KO. I don't know. Yeah, it looked pretty good for you. <laughs> you have AB3? Yeah, you have access to AB3. You're like reasonably aggressive. He does actually get like a few turns for sure. Like you you can't kill him quite as fast as some decks, but um, it's quite hard for him to get damage through in it. And because you have go again, it's sort of like you present an attack and if he blocks, you can continue to attack him. Then he'll like leak some damage and he can only do that so many times. But then if he doesn't block, you can also just kind of like let him take six or let him take nine and then just pass with two cards in hand and like arsenal and sort of just like weather the storm because you have access to a bunch of pitch you're playing like 21 blues a bunch of yellows you have arcane barrier three and it's just sort of like you have no fear i actually never drew no fear in either game but like if you arsenal and no fear you're, you're probably not banishing cards from hand to play it because you like can just pitch those cards into ab instead and that's more efficient maybe your reds yeah no fear just like seems real good even though i didn't draw it you're pretty good at getting aggressive you can also there's also like this really sweet interaction where you can discard your wind up to give mandible claw go again as an instant so you can actually do this during reactions or you can actually even do this during damage resolution so after damage has already happened uh, you can do it before it checks to see go again and give you the action point and then you will get the action point so um, in the Kano, this is pretty relevant because in the end game, I was winding up in a lot of scenarios where like Kano is at like one or, or even at like, you know, maybe, maybe he's, he's, he's at two, like whatever. Sure. 
and I claw for like three or four. And he's suddenly in a spot of like, I've all I've committed is two resources. And I'm still holding like potentially a bunch of cards in hand. But if he blocks, I can then discard my windup, continue to hit him, and he's probably not going to be able to block everything out. So you you kind of like put him in checkmate scenarios like that. Like um like I did that and then I pack hunted him. And then it was it was just like, oh, I'm intimidated, I can't block. Or I did that and I pulpinged him and it has dominated. And he's just like, well. I've already committed a card to blocks and now I have to try and go off with three cards and you like still have a card in hand. It's very bad. So I think you're pretty reasonable in Decano. Yeah, it, it looked pretty convincing. Like, yeah, it looked pretty convincing. <laughs> yeah, the second game was definitely like a little bit closer. I think there was a spot where he like maybe could have gone for it and and won. He didn't and then he just kind of threw one damage and I uh, I got to like wild ride him because there was like no longer the threat. So then I was like, oh, like I, I had just like passed with the yellow and then he's just like, banish two cards throw one of them for one damage and i'm like uh take it attack you for six i have none floating but like you only have two cards left and you have like a blue i don't know you have like some random blue spell in your banish like it's not it's not very threatening and then i get his hand kind of a thing but um yeah second game was quite close i think there was like yeah i definitely could have lost that game i guess uh other than flesh and blood did you do anything in hartford not really like i guess like went to restaurants like right across the street and in the hotel lobby were like the two places we went the barbecue place across the street was actually very good a little bit pricey but very good um yeah i don't know people drafted on i guess it would be the saturday yeah that was like a kind of about it i I think a lot (laughs) of it was just informed by like i didn't get in until like 10 p.m on friday I think I did like I, I think I did like one game of sealed. Like we built our pools, we played one game, and then we're like, oh, we should probably go to bed for the main event. And like and then I left on the Monday, so I, I kind of wasn't there for like super, super long and was playing in the battle harden for a very long time. So I didn't actually get up to very much this time, but what I did do was fun. I, I, I still had fun. That's fair, that's fair. Well, winning the battle harden seems really good. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> the um, how long was your flight? Like, I guess I went and my trip there was technically sixteen hours, including layovers, and the trip back was like twelve and a half, including layovers. How long was yours? I think mine were a little bit shorter, but they were still like ten, eleven hours, kind of a thing. Ten, 10 eleven hours, like. From when I take off too, not like if you count like the go through security at the start yeah, the, thing. The two hours like, beforehand. <laughs> yeah, it's just like 13 hours. Like I'm just like literally spend the entire day traveling. It's like you get up early in the morning, you go, you travel, and then you're like, cool, it's 10 p.m. I haven't done anything and it doesn't feel like 10 p.m. to me, but I'm probably supposed to go to sleep in like an hour. Yeah, no, for me, like my 16 hour flight, like I got there an hour and a half early. So it's like 17, almost 18 hours just in the airport doing basically nothing, watching a lot of anime. And, you know, don't I don't even have a laptop on me right now. So uh, I couldn't do any any kind of like games on Talisha or anything like that. So just like find a find a place where i can charge my phone find a place where i can charge my headphones take a nap wake up take a nap wake up get on the plane (laughs) take a nap wake up (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, uh, I did a lot of that as well. It was um, <laughs> East Coast is real far, especially when you can't get a direct flight. Even if you can, it's gonna be like super expensive than like trying to get uh, the layovers. Like for Typically. me, like cost is like really important for me because like even this trip was like kind of expensive. And you know, Yuki said she went out for dinner. I just didn't because that's just like an extra cost I don't want to deal with. So our our hotel had free breakfast in the morning, so I just loaded up during the breakfast and survived the day off that. So that was good. Oh, and I had some of Nia's leftovers. I heard about this actually. You told me about it. Nia brought in some like pasta from I guess your hotel's like dining area, whatever that is. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's he's like, you can have this. And I'm just like, oh, it's just leftover pasta. Thank you. I appreciate this. I will eat it. And I ate it. And I'm just like, wow, how much did you pay for this pasta? It's kind of horrible. It was just like very bland pasta. Apparently there was lobster on it and the lobster was really good. But the pasta <laughs> itself was like, because all he had was the pasta left, right? So it's just like. Right. So it just like didn't have sauce really or anything. Yeah, there's no sauce on it. There's just like, obviously there's no meat. There's no lobster. So it's just like, <laughs> just pasta. And I'm like, why did you even take this to go? And he's just like, I thought you might want it. And I'm like, that's fair. I, I do appreciate it still. But like, <laughs> man, this is so medium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the way that Nia put it was that. um Whenever anybody had leftovers, they just gave it to you. Yeah, it was great. I had like Sean's pizza. It was also kind of medium, also because it was a day old. But <laughs> right, right. Except I did get one thing. Um, about a twenty-minute walk from the venue, there was this super sketchy Chinese place <laughs> that I did walk to because I was looking up on Google to see like if there's anything to eat, um, for like very cheap. Right, and I just like see this like Google reviews of like, oh, this place is really, really cheap and really like has a lot of volume. So I'm like, oh, I walk there and it's like ten dollars for this like it's like a to go container filled with Chinese food essentially, and it was really good and it was like really worth the money. It was in like the super sketchy part of town. I don't know if it's gonna be super sketchy in the morning, but I walk there after like the Saturday main event and. It's completely dark. There's like nobody walking in the streets. And like the one person that's like on the streets seemed homeless. It's just like, it was an interesting mm. walk. <laughs> I see. That is interesting. <laughs> but it was good food. It was good food. Yeah, I, I also heard stories about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the restaurant was boarded up and like you can't really. <laughs> oh <my laughs> like, God. It, it's it's kind of sick. Like it, it, it was like the the rundown the rundown really good Chinese place that served cheap food that was like perfect for the area, and and you know what I loved it. So you know five stars to them if uh, if anyone wants to check it out someday. <laughs> okay. That was quite the event. Oh man, actually I'll save it for the sign off. Sure. The last thing I just want to say is uh, final opinions about this sealed format. Do you have anything to say? Overall. Overall, I think it's a pretty good sealed format. Equipment matters a lot. I really don't like playing Brute in it. Yeah, I think that's kind of my thoughts. I'm, I'm pretty happy playing Warrior, and I really like playing Guardian, although I don't think it comes together quite as much. Uh, Brute, I do not have a lot of fun with, um, is sort of where I'm at. I like Brute a lot in Draft, though. Yeah, more consistent. <laughs> Ellie actually has a bunch of games on coverage, or I don't know about a bunch, but she has like at least one game on coverage where she played a KO deck. And it's just like 
doesn't have wild bard or bear fangs it's just like it's like doing the guardian thing you just like have a bunch of three blocks you have like a bunch of two card sevens and then you can like get agility tokens and attack with your claw or attack with two sevens and like you just fatigue people because they just like have to block like you're doing way too much damage for them to not block but you can't actually go over the top so they just end up like running out of cards because you keep hitting them and you're like every time you're seven them they're probably giving you like three cards or like two cards and taking two you know like it's it's rough so that is the type of brute deck that i like i feel like consistency in this format is just like so 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 big like being able to block two card sevens having enough blues that you don't just like brick because it feels like like if you don't draw a blue and you just have like a bunch of like red two block attacks in your deck and you have to block with all of them it's just like you just like lose like it's just yeah. over that you know over, like that is an over spot or if you draw like three blues and a yellow and they're all two blocks you're just like oh no <laughs> that is that is also bad yeah yeah i think my opinions on this format is kind of low i feel like this format has too much variance for flesh and blood and mm -hmm. playing this game or playing this format makes me feel like i'm playing a, like any of the other tcgs where it's not like it doesn't feel like massively consistent and i think that's because of the clash mechanic and i think the like the brutes with the no blocks with the random discards and stuff has a little bit to do with it the wager has a little bit to do with it because like sometimes you know it's correct to wager and then they have the block card and then you feel like it was not like you just get blown out and mm -hmm. um sometimes you just have to wager in spots like that because then you're trying to rip three cards out of your opponent's hand so they can't use their agility tokens but then you do that and they have the block card in hand and block out for seven and they have three card hand after using their equipment with their agility token. And then you gave you gave them like a wage might or something and you just lose the game on the spot. Like it's the games kind of can feel super swingy and I'm not yep. too much of a fan on that. Um, like there was an example of like this one guy I was playing in the um, in a side event sealed game and the game wasn't close. Like I destroyed my opponent as the warrior uh, versus a KO. His friend walks up to him and was like, Oh, how'd your game go? And he just goes horrible. I lost every clash this game. Me yeah. as the warrior player won every single clash against the KO player. Yep. And it's just like, I don't have that many like attacks in my deck. It's just like, I happened to flip over my seven power attacks and he kept on flipping over his four power or five power attacks that turns into a six. And it's just like, I win, I win, I win. I get an agility token. I win. I get a mic token. I win. I get an agility token. Like, and it just like blew him out. Cause you know, I got an agility token. I'm playing warrior. Thanks for the free, you know, one card four with my sabers. Yeah. yeah. So like some games can come down to like, Oh, and the other thing that I had problems with is um, twice during the main event, I attacked with down but not out uh, for like eight overpowered or nine overpowered, and it kept on getting blocked out by just the block card that they happened to draw on that turn. And I'm like, really, dude? Like, like you have the block here, and you have like the obviously the equipment. It's just like, uh, like you're not supposed to block this out, like. You know, like, this is supposed to be my comeback mechanic. And it's just like, yep, I just drew the block card here. Like, 
when I came in All for right. 10 overpowered on one of the turns, he had a block card, a two block, and he played the instant that like prevents two damage. And I'm like, what? What is this head on the turn I set this up? Like, <laughs> this is just not fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've had some of that as well. I had a game where like I got to an end game. We're both at one. I keep swing. I get to like you know swing seven a number of times, which should take three cards and should put me ahead because then like all he can do is claw, and then I get three cards coming back. But the issue is, <laughs> oh, the the issue is is that every, like I do this and he just has a four block and a three block. And then I do it, and he has a four block and a three block again. And this happens like three times in the game, and it's just like, yeah, okay, I guess I lose. Like, I don't know. I feel like this format's kind of swinky and not in a good way that it's swingy. It's like, it feels like, oh, man, there's nothing I could have done kind of kind of spots where it's like, oh, man, like if I knew his hand, I could have played perfectly. But because I didn't know his hand, I got punished kind of kind of situations. Or like, man, I wish I just knew the top part of my opponent's deck kind of situations happened a lot yeah mostly in sealed uh i feel like drafts a lot more consistent but like in sealed I, I have these these kinds of small issues that like i feel like it doesn't happen in the other formats because there aren't clashes and there's not wagering going on where like they don't get a benefit for you giving something an on hit yeah i like in draft that you can just like not engage with those mechanics <laughs> <laughs> which maybe isn't like a great thing to say about the format but like you know what card i don't draft wild ride that's true also <laughs> anything that anything that clashes agility i do not want that in my deck i don't even care if it's the four block i don't want it in my deck because like it's happened more than once you're just like in a late game or you're in a spot where you need a block and you're just like this card blocks four i have to block with it or like even if it's like the three block ones the ones that are the two for sixes if you have to block with it or it's correct to block with it and you just give your own opponent an agility, especially if you're behind, it's like it just actually loses you the game. I, I had exactly the same spot. Even And to uh, in my dis- situation, it wasn't even clash agility. It was clash might. And I just like my only three block in hand. And I'm like, no, I have to give this to him. <laughs> and uh, he yep. got the might token. and I lost the game through the might token. And, like, the crazy part is because these block cards, like, they don't even give you that much of a benefit because, like, you you lose out cards right in your hand. So it's hard to convert your agility tokens unless you're, like, warrior. Yeah. It's a format. (laughs) It's swingy. It's swingy as hell. It's very swingy. Draft is sweet. I wanted to play Guardian, honestly. Guardian, Guardian just feels so... It's so weird. I'm I'm like always the person that doesn't really like Guardian. And in this format, I'm just like, can I please play Guardian? It's just so consistent. Everything <laughs> else is so random. Uh, okay. You want to close out the episode then? Sounds good. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed our talk about the calling and Battleheart and Hartford and the KO deck. And, you know. RTNs around the season, uh, RTN season around the corner. So best of luck to everybody as they're, you know, prepping CC, prepping draft and and getting ready for for that. So hopefully we can help you out there. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out and find us on social media. Jay is at Ueda J 
and I'm at Yukili Bender. That's over on Twitter. You can also email us directly at onthebobble at gmail.com and ask us questions there, or you can visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash onthebobble. And that's going to wrap us up for this episode. So thanks for listening, and I hope you have a good night. Do you have any sign off? Oh yeah, I do. So I don't know. I feel like you probably you you must have heard about this because you were rooming with Sean. But um, you know, I finish up the battle hardened. We get out like super super late. Um, we end up going for dinner just like in the hotel lobby because like basically everywhere else is closed. And um. What do I do? I think I like go upstairs to like take a shower and um, come back down and oh no, 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 no. Actually, it's not even before. It's it's before that. Um, it's as we're finishing up dinner. Um, I guess like Michael Hamilton and Tarek just like rolled dice for their gold foils. <laughs> yeah, I heard about this. I heard about this. And I think Sean bought like half of Tarek's equity or something and then just yep. like doubled up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um Yeah, unfortunately I didn't get to see the role cuz like because like other like other people were like I need to see the role. Yuki pay for me and I had to sit there and pay for like three people. <laughs> um but I could like I could like see it like from like from the restaurant I could see to like where they were sitting they were just like far away so I didn't actually get to see the role but I got to kind of like see people's reactions, <laughs> um, and I knew that it was happening. It was it was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all I heard was um, uh, Sean won a bunch of money that day. <laughs> yeah so i guess that means michael hamilton lost i guess Tarek also got money right because he like technically has like a gold foil plus half a gold foil yeah 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 so those like Tarek and sean won the won the role is what happened mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh what a sicko what a sicko that honestly reminds me of those like the Yu-Gi-Oh days where people would throw in state like a pile like like a place out of like the hundred dollar staples, you get like five people in in a circle. The buy-in is the th- like the three copies of Ash Blossoms or something, and uh, and Yu Gi Oh cards typically when they're staples are like a hundred bucks each, so it's like a three hundred dollar high roll of a D twenty or something like that. So it's like so it's like Command and Conquers. Yeah, yeah, you just throw in three Command and Conquers in the middle, and you roll a D twenty, and the high roll picks up the whole pile and call it a day, you know. <laughs> Yeah, Those, I don't uh, know. Card game players love to gamble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Most of the good ones too. A lot of the good players like to gamble too. <laughs> That's so why. true. Uh, I think it's because like there's like the overlap of like you're doing an activity which has variance, but there's also a lot of ability to like control or mitigate that variance or like you know maximize like what you can do given the the, given the odds and whatever and um i think that's like kind of a lot of what is interesting in card games as well as 
gambling. Um, although flesh and blood may be a little bit less so, but it does still have elements of that for sure. Um, yeah, flesh and blood has like a lot of like maximizing too, I guess. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. Oh, okay, uh, I guess uh, that should wrap up the episode then. Yeah. All right, sounds good. Good night, everyone. Good night.